Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tread on my mojo. Mojo Five O. Standing Ground is a production of Leahy Media. I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we mm-hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. What does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. We had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, fratty. kind of out of touch humor. Of touch. And yep. it was really important that we had another approach. Yeah, and your, uh, your your other approach uh, did not go too well, and you've lost close to $10 billion in revenue. That is Alyssa Hennessy, Hennessy or Hennessy, I believe, yeah. That was, uh, she appeared on a podcast. She was one of the marketing people at Anheuser-Busch that did this whole thing with the transgender uh, person on the can, and there was backlash, and I, I love that, you know, fratty, we wanted to go in another direction. Yeah, how did that work out for you? Swell, well done. Okay, well, uh, it it teased me up, as they say, not teased me, uh, teased me up to what's something I want to get into today, and that's about uh, liberalism, wokeism, just in general, what they do, the way they act, and how they feel the need to lie to maintain their own agenda. Basically, in essence, that's what it is. All right. Okay. With that, I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Standing Ground. This is Mojo Fiber Radio. It's about 10 o'clock on the East Coast, 7 on the West. Let's get going. You said that you're a trans woman. I trans female, yes, Pastor. Do you have a penis? <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. You're the one. You're the one that brought that into the discussion. You're the one. Never said anything about genitalia. Here comes the king. Here comes the big number one. But wiser beer, the king is second to none. Just say, but wiser, you've said it all. Oh man. What planet do we live on? And this food anything makes it beer at its best. Do you have a penis? <laughs> That's horrible. You're the one you're the one that brought that into the discussion. Okay, here we are. It is Monday. It is April 17th, 2023, and I can assure you 100% that I do have a penis. <laughs> am I 
Am I still on the air? Am I still on? Okay. Um, the Welcome to the program. I was, uh, first of all, point of order. T- today, in my neck of the woods, I'm in the Boston area. Today is Marathon Monday. So I'm only going to get through one break today, went through one break today and do a rewind in the, in the B block because I have to get out and do things because they shut the roads down, right? They go, they, the, the, the skeletons, they go right by me. I call them the skeletons because they're all, well, they look like skeletons. They run, they run by me and, um, they shut all the businesses down on the other side. So you got to get out early before they homeland securities in town. Everyone's here. Look, it's, it's, I understand that why they have to do it. Um, of course, horrible memories of what happened years and years ago and the, the security is very, very tight. So I do have to bail a little bit early today, but anyway, um, what happened was I didn't this whole thing with Anheuser-Busch and that was that marketing person you heard at the top there okay uh, Alyssa Alyssa Hennessy or whatever and you hear her sort of saying well you know like cause she wants to be like hip and cool and like try to be like trendy and they did this whole thing what was the name of the um Dylan Mulvaney, D- Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender individual who th- they put a picture of Dylan Mulvaney on the cover of the beer can and 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 sent him her it, whatever a a bunch of Bud Light and said, "Hey, here we go. We're 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 now marketing towards the transgender community." Okay, well, first and foremost, Anheuser Busch, like any big public company like that, has a fiduciary responsibility to its investors, uh, not to a particular um, portion of the population, which transgender is. Itty bitty bitty fraction of a fraction of percentage. Now that doesn't mean that transgender people can't drink uh, a beer if they're if they're beer. That's fine. And she made the point that that marketing person from Anheuser Busch goes, well, fratty, and you know she wanted to say immature, outdated. Let me. Anheuser Busch has been marketing towards college kids. You know the spring break posters with the girls' butts and the beer, and you know what I'm talking about. And and football fans and all that kind of thing. And all of a sudden they say we're going to try this new thing. And and it backfired and they've lost tons of money in revenue. Now, um, you guys know who Candace Owens is, right? Okay, Candace Owens, uh, just after this happened, uh, it was about a week and a half ago, a week or so ago, she appeared on Tucker Carlson and she made a phenomenal point, which, you know, it's always been kind of in the back of my head and I know it in your, in your head as well. And that is, what does the left and the woke culture do to maintain their agenda or to keep it going? They have to lie. They have to make things up. They have to create things um, to keep keep the train moving, if you will. Now, here is Candace Owens. This is, Cur- is Candace Owens. This is courtesy of uh, Fox News. To survive in woke culture, you have to become a liar. You have to pretend that you yeah. think fat is beautiful. You have to pretend to be race-obsessed. You have to pretend that you think Dylan Mulvaney is a woman and should be included in female spaces. We are being told that you have to lie repeatedly in order yeah. to survive in corporate culture. And she is herself a victim of that and a perpetuator of that. So yeah, it's absolutely shameful and she should feel a Ashamed that she brought this idea to Bud Light, but I do believe that she was conditioned. I mean, she went to Harvard. What do we think goes on? What do we believe is the sociology of people that graduate Harvard? They are basically being told that this is the way that they should think. There is a post-analysis that needs to happen here on why it is that Dylan Mulvaney, for 365 days, was able to openly mock women, to openly yeah. take the spaces of women, to get contracts from Ulta Beauty, to take you know contracts from other women, all these sponsorships, and nobody cared until. 
until suddenly Dylan Mulvaney traversed into a male space and it became unacceptable. Why? Because men don't tolerate this level of lies in the way that women do, right? We respond emotionally and not rationally. We should have been the ones to put an end to Dylan Mulvaney, but we didn't because we feel bad. And shouldn't we just feel bad for men that want to be women and mock us and put on lipstick and pigtails and call themselves a girl? That's what I like about Candace Owens. She doesn't hold back. And she's absolutely correct. Anheuser-Busch got all emotional. They weren't thinking, hey, wait a minute, you know, we're we're a corporation here. We've got we've got we've got other we've got other obligations than Dylan Mulvaney. All right. Well, it feeds into that whole thing that I billboarded with, which is this is the lying thing. Right. So we're going to continue. I got I got some great audio in this break. I got to cram all this in in 20 minutes. Did you guys happen to see the train wreck interview that Elon Musk did with the BBC when they were asking him about sexist comments and hate speech and misinformation? All these new trendy terms that have come out more or less in the last 10 years. OK. And Elon Musk reamed this guy a new one. I mean, I I had a feeling that this guy went home after this guy from the Bay Bay say, I think he went home and like, you know, stuck his head into some bangers and mash and, and, and drowned himself <laughs> in sorrow when he realized, oh my God, I just, I just got my ass handed to me on a platter. Listen to this. Now this is goes once again, this is the whole, this is what you people do. You lie all the time to maintain your agenda. Listen, here we go. Free speech is meaningless unless you allow people uh, you don't like to say things you don't like. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. Um, and if at the point at which you lose uh, free speech, uh, it doesn't come back. I, th- I think the issue some people have is that a lot of people were brought back. I mean, some people were brought back who uh, were previously banned for spreading things like uh, QAnon conspiracies. You have people like Andrew Tate who were brought back, who were previously uh, banned for things like hate speech. Do you think you prioritize freedom of, of speech over misinformation and hate speech? Well, you know, who's to say that something is misinformation? Um, who's the arbiter of that? Is it the BBC? Are you literally asking me? Yes. Well, no, you, you, are, the, the you are the arbiter on Twitter because you own Twitter. Yes, I'm saying who, who is to say that one person's misinformation is another person's information? Um, at the point at which you, you say that there is, uh, this is misinformation, like who is but going you, to decide that? you that misinformation can be dangerous, that it can cause yes. real world harms, that it can potentially cause... Um, yes, yeah, so the point I'm trying to make is that the BBC itself has at times published things that are false. Uh-huh. Do you agree that that has occurred? I, 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 I'm quite sure the BBC have uh, said things before that turn out to oh not be true. Right. In, in its right. whatever it is, 100-year history, I'm quite yes. sure. Even if you aspire to be accurate, there are times when it will, you, you will not be. We've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation, and they just say they just, there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around, um, particularly please, around hate speech um, in the company. Well, what hate speech are you talking about? I mean, you use Twitter, right? Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, I, just a personal anecdote. Like, what do, do you? I don't. Personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content. Yeah. We're, this is we're at the juncture now in this interview where this guy's beginning to realize Elon Musk has got me. He's, he's he didn't even set me up. I set myself up to admit that I'm full of shit. 
And Elon Musk is a very, very, very bright guy. He's no dummy, right? And when you go in to interview Elon Musk and you want to throw stuff like this at him, you better be prepared. The guy doing the interview was sitting there with a cell phone. Like he had like like on his cell phone. He, he, didn't, he didn't do his homework. All right, let's continue. It gets better or worse, depending on your perspective. But I'm not going to talk to, talk to the rest of, for, for the rest of Twitter. You, you see more hate speech personally. I would say I would see more hateful content in that. In that content you don't like or, or hateful? What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a, a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of, those kinds of things. So you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is I'm that not, what you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm well, saying... I'm just curious. I'm, just, I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con- content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and, if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's why I'm asking for examples. Can, I, you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. You I, I, honestly, I you don't, can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why. Because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore. Because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you actually, said a lot of people. A lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only. Well, I only look well, at hang my, on a second. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last. All right. Now this is he's totally up against the wall. He he Elon Musk now he has been queued up beautifully to expose this guy from the BBC. Now, he's from the BBC, but it's really the media at large. In this country, you could say it's CNN, or you could say it's the New York Times, all the lefty rags. And the the, the bullshit that they postulate every, just watch CNN for like 50, if you can stomach it for 15 minutes one day, and just watch the bullshit that comes out of their mouths. And it, it, get, it well, it devolves, and this is a, he just totally gets him. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't Elon Musk was looking to do it. He just set him up and he went, well, what are you talking about? Here we go. Three or four weeks. And I, well, I then how did you see the hateful content? Because I've been, I've been using, I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen that you, for you, hateful content. And I'm asking for one example. Right. And you I, can't I, give us a single one. And, and I'm saying, I've, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yeah. Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con- content, not even one tweet. And yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed, you just lied. What, no, no, what I claimed was uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind say of that. information is on the rise. Now, whether, whether it has on Give my feed or example. not. I mean, I, right, and Literally if you, you look at someone one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, U, in the UK, they will say that. So you, they, Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I've already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Let, that you, I don't think this is you getting know? You literally said you experienced more hateful content and, now, and then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I, That's haven't, absurd. I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. Then how would you know this hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have we only have a certain well, amount of time. Um, wow. COVID misinformation. <laughs> Don't worry, there's more. Let's 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 move on. It's like, yeah, I need to get out of here right now. And Elon Musk stays on. Okay, let's keep going. I love this. You you changed the COVID misinformation. Has rules. BBC changed this COVID misinformation? The BBC does not set the rules on Twitter, so I'm asking you. No, I'm talking about the BBC's misinformation about COVID. Oh, my 
God. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking you about, you changed the labels, the COVID misinformation labels. They used to be a policy, and then, then disappeared. Why do that? Okay, COVID is no longer an issue. Does the BBC uh, hold itself at all responsible for misinformation re regarding ma masking and, and side effects of vaccinations and not reporting on that at all? And what about the fact that the BBC was put under pressure by the British government to change its editorial policy? Are you aware of that? This is a, this is not an interview about the BBC. Oh, so. you thought it wasn't. It, it, it is now. <laughs> I, I see now why you've done Twitter Spaces. He's I'm not a representative of the BBC's editorial policy. I want to make that clear. Let's talk about something else. You want I'm to talk about the BBC? All right. Let's 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 talk about let's talk about something else. You weren't expecting that. I've been at this a long time. I mean, more not my podcast, not my just just in in radio, radio, media, whatever, news, whatever you want to call it. A long time. I have never seen an interview where the interviewer got more humiliated by somebody than we just listened to with Elon Musk. He went in, he had an agenda, and his agenda was Twitter's hateful and let's hateful speech on. And I love that, slightly sexist. What do you mean by slightly sexist? What does that mean? And then he couldn't even give an example to Elon Musk. And then he tried to bail. And he said, no, 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 let's stay on this for a minute now. Let's talk about the BBC and the BBC's misinformation, right? Wasn't that beautiful? I bet you go back. My show comes up on iTunes at 11 o'clock. You're going to want to go back or just YouTube it. Go, go back and listen to it again. All right, I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Standing Ground. This is Mojo Five Radio with you up until the 11 o'clock hour today. Once again, uh, after the end of this break, the second break will be a rewind because it's Marathon Monday and I need to get out and get things done before uh, they, they shut the roads down. Um, you know, there, there's, there's so much more. I got another audio clip here. This is from about six months ago. But... There's so much other stuff I could find. Do, do you remember, I don't have time to play it, but do you remember the time Donald Trump, it was about about a month and a half, two months before the election. No, no, sorry, it was in the summer cycle. So yeah, it was getting close anyway, close to the re-election 2020. And he was speaking at West Point, I believe, and he was coming down a ramp and it had just rained and he wears, he wears flat-footed shoes. You know, and how does he afford those? Anyway, he um, he was coming down on the ramp and he, he didn't want to slip. He was hanging on to the railing. And then when he got to the bottom of the railing, the when you see the actual footage, he hops off and he walks onto the grass. Well, they didn't show you that for 15 minutes, almost 20 minutes. They went on the air and they had four people, five in split box, Sanjay Gupta. You know, the, the medical editor, and they were speculating whether or not Donald Trump had Parkinson's disease. For 15, 20 minutes, they were like, is the, look at his hand shaking on the railing. And it's like they are they are lying to you. And that's what they have to do. All right. We're going to wrap up here. Quick, quick segment today. OK, but fun, isn't it? Isn't it fun? And the, I mean, there's so many there's so many other things we could talk about about the whole lying thing, what they do every day. Um, it, lying extends. It go. It's in our public schools, the liberals in the public schools, college, university, campuses, um, everywhere. They, they, there's kids graduating from high school that think that men can get pregnant. They can't. They they don't. These this left this leftist movement in this country has become completely ignorant of facts. Completely. Well, anyway, 
Don Lemon, he's an easy target. Don Lemon is obsessed with reparations. He loves going on about reparations. And just after Queen Elizabeth had died and King Charles had inherited her wealth, billions of dollars, okay? Um, He said, okay, so he had this uh, history professor, I think she was from Cambridge or Oxford, I forget, um, talking about slavery and reparations. And he brought it up and said, okay, well, you know, King Charles has all this money. It's time to start, you know, dishing out money for Britain and the colonization and the uh, the slaves and all that. And once again, he got, he got, he got like the guy at the BBC and he had her on and she said, okay, well, let's talk about reparations. Let's talk about the history of slavery. Listen to this. Some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth? Those are legitimate concerns. Uh Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when that crossed the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. That's right. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. (laughs) It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It sure was an interesting discussion from her side because she knew what she was talking about, and you know it. You had no clue. He's always going on about reparations. It's it's insane. Well, anyway, um, I got to wrap up. I got to run. But that's just kind of a taste of it. Maybe we'll get more into it tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, all right. With that, I got to go. Uh, second half will be a rewind. Uh, don't forget. Well, actually, you might enjoy it because it's Joe Biden in Ireland, and it's a recap of his <laughs> of more of more of his gaffes, all right? With that, guys, remember, go woke, go broke. Be right back. To survive in woke culture, you have to become a liar. You have to pretend that you think fat is beautiful. You have to pretend to be race-obsessed. You have to pretend that you think Dylan Mulvaney is a woman and should be included in female spaces. We are being told that you have to lie repeatedly in order to survive in corporate culture. And she is herself a victim of that and a perpetuator of that. So yeah, it's absolutely shameful and she should feel ashamed that she brought this idea to Bud Light, but I do believe that she was conditioned. I mean, she went to Harvard. What do we think goes on? What do we believe is the sociology of people that graduate Harvard? They are basically being told that this is the way that they should think. There is a post-analysis that needs to happen here on why it is that Dylan Mulvaney for 365 days was able to openly mock women, to openly take the spaces of women, to get contracts from Ulta Beauty, to take, you know, contracts from other women and all these sponsorships, and nobody cared until suddenly Dylan Mulvaney traversed into a male space and it became unacceptable. Why? Because men don't tolerate this level of lies in the way that women do, right? We respond emotionally and not rationally. We should have been the ones to put an end to Dylan Mulvaney, but we didn't because
we feel bad. And shouldn't we just feel bad for men that want to be women and mock us and put on lipstick and pigtails and call themselves a girl? Some people want to be paid back and, uh, and members of the public are wondering why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. Uh-huh. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when that crossed the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, In Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. That's right. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. <laughs> it's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs listen to me you don't know me and we'll never meet i had a problem like you once i drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life i realized i needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me if you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone you need to call the national treatment advisors They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1581. 877-247-1581. 877-247-1581. Recently discovered in a small subsection of the Green New Deal, the United States Air Force is moving away from conventional explosive ordnance. Being considered to replace these terrible weapons are more ecologically friendly weapons, such as cat coolers, to be used like anvils in a Wile E. Coyote cartoon. Recently declassified audio from deep inside Cheyenne Mountain 
General, come quick. The Chinese have taken over the island beachhead. What should we do? Release the cat coolers! The first cat cooler dropped, activated a volcano on impact. The cooler still has ice in it and was used as a life raft by 26 island refugees. China has signaled their unconditional surrender, and it is anticipated that the cat cooler will never again be used in such a destructive way. What? China surrendered, G.I. Joe! No more drop a cat cooler! No coolers were harmed in the making of this ad, but the island is a total loss. Cat Coolers does not recommend dropping coolers from planes, but the video is really cool, and it's still illegal to smuggle a cat into New Mexico. You're listening to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you... Uh, um, like to be able to, I've, anyway. But you know, um, I started to write a book what? talking about how technology <laughs> no, has always changed the world, and we were in an inflection point in the world. And the technology was changing so rapidly, and things were changing so significantly that it wasn't so much who led any country. It was oh, the changes shit. that were just happening at, at, at incredible no, let speed. Let it go. Let it go. Incredible speed. Look what's happening with artificial intelligence right now. Yeah, they should program it you. It enormous promise and enormous concern. Our, our world stands at an inflection point where the choices we make today are literally going to determine the future and the history of this world for the next four to five decades. Literally, not figuratively. We're at one of those points. I had a professor in school who said an inflection point is when you're riding down the highway at 60 miles an hour and you make a radical turn six degrees in one direction. You can never get back in the course you're on. That's who we are as a world. It's embarrassing. It is. It it really, really is embarrassing. Writing a book. Yes, yeah, sure you are. And then the the inflection point. He never. He never puts forward any plan or how he's going to deal with something. He just tells little stories and anecdotes and, oh, God, he is an absolute friggin' disaster. The 25th Amendment's not going to happen at this point, but, boy, I just do not see this guy wrong. If he does, he's going to get destroyed. But anyway, that's my opinion. I could be wrong. We'll see. And then we're stuck with you-know-who, Kamala, who actually I would rather have in the Oval Office right now than Joe Biden, because as condescending as she is and obnoxious as she is, she knows where she is. She is compass mentis. She's not bright, but she knows where she is. Okay, I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Standing Ground. This is Mojo Fiverr Radio. My email is standingground1776 at gmail.com, standingground1776 at gmail.com. As promised, uh, Donald Trump sat down with Tucker Carlson last Tuesday night. I'm getting this this kind of late. You guys might have heard some clips of it. I almost have the whole thing. Not the whole thing we're going to play, most of it anyway, where he he touched on a few things I thought was very interesting, the way he addressed the, these uh, these issues, these questions. And actually, it was really good timing because it was after his arrest. It was his first interview. And also, he went into foreign policy, which I thought was a good move on his part in the wake of this, uh, Af- the, this report from the White House on the... Uh, 
situation that the White House was in, and it was all Donald Trump's fault that it went the withdrawal went so poorly. They they said they set Donald Trump up beautifully. Okay, so this is courtesy of Fox News. This is Tucker Carlson. I will uh, play it, and then I will interject it uh, here and there when I feel it is appropriate. Okay, here we go. Last week you were in New York for this arraignment. The world watched it. You've not given an interview since. You were there, I think, 57 minutes. Tell us from your perspective what that was like. Well, it was a horrible thing because I did nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. You look at even the pundits and the legal analysis, Greg Jarrett, all of these really talented people, they're saying he didn't do anything wrong. So that's number one. Number two, they were incredible. When I went to the courthouse, which is also a prison, in a sense, uh, they signed me in. And I'll tell you, people were crying. People that work there, professionally work there, that have no problems putting in murderers and they see everybody. It's tough, tough place. And they were crying. They were actually crying. They said, I'm sorry. Uh, they'd say, 2024, sir, 2024. And tears are pouring down. There is, I've never seen anything like that. Those people are phenomenal. Those are your police. Yep. Those are the people that work at the courthouse. They're unbelievable people. Uh, many of them were in tears or close to it. I have no way of proving it, um, uh, but I don't buy that one. I do not believe there were people in tears. I think there were a lot of uh, people going, wow, here comes Donald Trump. I don't think there were people that were crying. I would have been crying just kind of out of laughter. I would have been like laughing how ridiculous it is, and I'd be crying so because it's so ridiculous. Um, but anyway, is he, he then navigates both him and Tucker Carlson, they begin to navigate away from, as as the interview progresses, away from that, and now he's really talking like a candidate, which he is. He's 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 the front runner for the Republican nomination. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Many apologists were sorry, sir, were sorry. They had to have me do certain things. They said, sir, I, I can't believe I have to ask you i can't even believe that i have to ask you to do it you could see so in one sense it was beautiful because they get it uh in another sense you know it's nasty i went to the wharton school of finance they didn't teach me about that that wasn't the arraignment part they wasn't that wasn't we didn't have a class on arraignment (laughs) and uh you know it's it was a sad day in many ways and in many days ways it was a beautiful day because the people understand i didn't know this was happening but the poll numbers have gone through the roof. The people get it. And the other ones are hoaxes also. You know, the box hoax. Biden's got 1,850 boxes. And, you know, that's a hoax. And then... That, that, is, that is a very good point. The people do get it. The the interesting thing is I don't buy I don't buy a lot of these polls because I believe the 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 American people know a snow job when they see one. And on that note, and I've said it before, no one ever raided Joe Biden's house. No one ever raided Hillary Clinton's house, but they just decided to raid Mar-a-Lago. He didn't bring that up in the interview. But that to me is one of the that that is one of the key operative points when you point at Merrick Judy Garland over at the Department of Justice is why is that the FBI that he signed off on why would the fbi raid mar-a-largo for for a situation regarding classified information but they never raided hillary clinton's house in chapel or washington dc or chelsea's apartment in 
um, in New York on the Upper West Side because that would be a place where they could keep stuff. Never raided their library. N- never raided Joe Bo- uh, Joe Bowden. <laughs> Joe Bowden, sorry. I guess sounding like him. Joe Biden's house in uh, Wilmington and Rehoboth. It, it, it was all keyed in just on him. It's so frigging obvious. Okay, continue. The one in Atlanta where I had a perfect phone call. This is all weaponization. They're weaponizing our justice system, Tucker. And they think if they go and give you a subpoena, you know, I guess I'm very well known and people understand it and they get it and maybe I have a bigger platform so I can explain it. But if you're somebody, a Republican, let's say, running for office and you get a subpoena, you might as well resign because you're not going to be able to survive it. And the voters aren't going to handle it. The voters aren't going to take it. What they're doing is weaponizing the system and there's never been anything like it. And it's all disinformation. You see, the other day... uh, Afghanistan, one of the worst things I've ever seen. I think the most embarrassing moment that this country's ever had, frankly. The way we got out, not the getting out. We had to get out. It was ridiculous to be there. And I had that so good, so tight, so tough. I spoke to the leader, Abdul. I said, Abdul, if you do anything, you're going to get hit really hard. Literally, I even, he said, but so why, why? He goes, why, oh, why do you send me? A picture of my house. I said, you'll have to figure that one out, Abdul. <laughs> you guys remember that? He, 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 that's true. That's a true story. He sent him a picture of his house. He goes, it's a nice house. It's a beautiful home. He's, why, why did you send me a picture? Well, I think you know why. Because if you keep it up, it's going to be gone. <laughs> it's classic Trump. And it worked. Okay, continue. But we didn't have one death in 18 months. He knew not one death. And then to see the way we got out, like we were surrendering, like taking the military out first, leaving $85 billion worth of equipment behind, giving up Bagram. I was going to keep Bagram. I was getting out, but I, not for Afghanistan. It's one hour away from where China makes its nuclear weapons. It's one of the biggest Air Force bases in the world. I think the biggest with runways that go 10,000 feet. I was keeping that because of China, not because of Afghanistan. Right. And they, they left everything. They, they left in the dark of night. They left the lights on. They left the dogs, by the way. You know, the people they say left about the dogs? the dogs. They left the dogs. Everyone, you know, the dog lovers. And you got a lot of them. I love dogs. You love dogs. But they left the dogs. People said, what? One of the first questions I got, what did they do with the dogs? Mostly German shepherds. They left them. Uh, what they did, the way they got out was so horrible. Okay. Everybody knows... That was their plan. That had nothing to do with me. I was getting out, too. We would have gotten out with strength and dignity. Just, I, I know it's bizarre to say this. Well, actually, no, it's not. But if you listen in the last break to Joe Biden and you listen to Donald Trump, whether you agree with Trump or not or agree with Biden or not, it's relevant. Who 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 has marbles? Like, who, who's who's able to convey their point, whether you agree with it or not? You, you don't and, and they're around the same age or I think tr- Trump's a little bit younger than he is. But you don't hear Trump going, was, was, uh, the lollipops in the Tibet. And then gee, I saw the painting on the wall and, blah, 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 and a lobster on my hand. <laughs> I, he, Trump, is, his personality, he's an arrogant son of a bitch. I'll give you that. And he yes, he can. He's a vulgarian. No doubt about it. But he's 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 got his capacities at, at his age. He's in very good mental presently. I don't see any signs of any problems. And to be president, we would hope that you've you've got it together. All right, let's continue. And what happened? They got out. And the other day I hear. Yeah. 
it was uh, Trump's fault. Oh, that's right. It was Trump. Trump. I was gone for a long I would have been out faster than them. We would have had all the equipment. We would have had the American citizens. We left hostages. We left Americans behind. Many. I think many more than you think. You, 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 you were out over eight months. That's right. You were out over eight months, and the Biden administration could have done whatever they wanted to do. They said, well, Trump left us with uh, only so many troops. Well, you could have sent more in. And I said, uh, and when this whole thing was happening, I said, do you ever hear of an A-10 Thunderbolt? One, two A-10 Thunderbolts could send them right back. Airplanes. They're actually, they're dinosaurs now. They're, they're, they're called tank busters, but they, um, they just go in. They just blow the shit out of an object. They would just push them right back. It would have never happened under Donald Trump. Never. Does it sound like I'm endorsing Trump for 2024? <clears throat> All right, continue. Uh, and we had 13 soldiers killed, and nobody ever mentions the fact that we had many maimed so badly. No arms, no legs. Their face was obliterated. This is the way this guy got out. We would have gotten out with dignity and strength. We were going to. But I was taking 100% of, I said, I want every nail. I want every screw. I want the tents. They said, sir, the tents are very hard to take out. I said, I want the tents. I want the tanks. I want the planes. I want everything. And a couple of them fought me on it. Like Millie. He said, sir, I think it's cheaper to leave the equipment behind. He kind of, he, he, he kind of sort of the male version of what was the character in Willy Wonka? Was it Veruca? I want it now. You know, I want it. I want the tanks. I want the screws. I want the bolts. I want the tires. I want all the engines. I want the cars. I want the school buses. I want the pens and the pencils. I want everything. I love it when he did that. Okay, all right, continue. I said, let me ask you, we have a plane that costs $100 million. It's sitting there. All it needs is a tank of gas, right? <laughs> Give me a little jet fuel. We'll fly it to Pakistan or any place else, or we'll fly it directly home. Fly to New York. <laughs> you say it's cheaper to leave a $100 million plane? Fly sure, to Delaware. It's cheaper. Fly, fly to Delaware and buzz Joe's house in, uh, in Rehoboth. And it, well, not Rehoboth, or Wilmington, wherever, and fly it right over and drop drop Af- Afghan flags on top of Joe's lawn. <laughs> All right, continue. These are idiots we're dealing with. They left $85 billion worth of equipment. They left our American citizens behind. And they moved the military out first. No, you moved the military out last. I did a little skit with a five-year-old kid. I said, let me ask you, here's the situation. I explained the situation. I said, would you take the military out first or would you take it out last? I take it out last. Five-year-old. Do you know who the five-year-old was? It was uh, it, it was Biden's grandson. <laughs> no. But they took the military out first, and they were afraid of our military. When I was there, they were afraid. We didn't have one soldier killed in 18 months. Second. Not one soldier was killed in 18 months. And then we got out like we surrendered. I think it was the single most embarrassing day in the history of our country. Agreed. It was totally their fault. They didn't go by anything because, you know, we had a system of getting out. But if the Taliban, in particular the Taliban, because that's where the action was, right? I, I, when I called Abdul, the press went crazy. The fake news went crazy. Why did he call an enemy? I said, well, it's Jesse James. I used to ask him, why did he rob banks? He said, that's where the money is. Why did I call the head of the Taliban? Because that's where the killing was. And he's there now, Abdul. I'm sure he likes me. Call me Your Excellency. I don't know if he calls Biden Your Excellency. <laughs> Probably. I mean, 
You know, they're one of the largest your arms in the world. They're selling <laughs> Biden, your dollars worth of it because they only need 5% of it. Of course. They're selling the, the equipment. They're one of the largest, I think, second arms dealers in the world. Brand new helicopters, brand new airplanes, brand new tanks. Unbelievable what we left behind. We ran. And there was no reason to. I had them. I could have stayed there for five years if I wanted to. I wanted out. 21 years was enough. I wanted out. We shouldn't have been there in the first place. But when I see what happens, when I see the level of stupidity, and because of that, it's all a big web. Because of that, I think Putin, who would have never gone into Ukraine when I was there, would have never. I talked to him about it often. Would have never, ever done that when he saw that. I wasn't there, and he saw these fools, these stupid people. <laughs> and think of that, the way they left Afghanistan, and nobody was fired. I fired a lot of people because if they didn't do a good job, I'd fire them. Let me ask you, talk to Putin about Ukraine. What did you yeah. say to him? Uh, I could see that he loved it. And I said... Uh, he loved Ukraine. He considers it to be a part of Russia. Yeah. I said, not when I'm president. We had a very good relationship. He was, he, I mean, look, I was the worst thing that ever happened to him. I closed up his pipeline. That's right. You never heard the word, the words Nord Stream 2 until I came along. Nord Stream 2 is their pipeline. And I had a great relationship with him, but it was very tough because they had a fake Russia investigation. And I told him, and he told me, he said, it's very hard for us to deal, don't you think? I said, very hard, because we have a fake investigation that turned out to be a fake for two years it went on. And we could have done very well with Russia. They have great minerals. They have great things that we want, we could have. And they need the money and they need other things. But that interfered. That was a terrible thing. That was actually a treasonous thing to do. Those people should have been arrested. They made it up. They made up a problem with Russia that didn't exist. Now they've all admitted it didn't exist. It was just on to the next one. I often say, they said to me the other day, one of your fellow journalists said, uh, who's the biggest problem, sir? Is it China? Could it be Russia? Could it be North Korea? No, I said, the biggest problem is from within. It's these sick, radical people from within. Because we can handle, if we're smart, we can handle Russia, China. I did. I took in billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars from China. No other president took in anything. And they respected me. He's the same thing, you know. I told him, you can't go into Taiwan. You can't. You can't do it. I won't tell you exactly what I said, but it was something that probably a lot of people wouldn't like if they heard it. But it was very tough. Don't go into Taiwan. If you do, we're going to have problems. Other than that, we're going to be great relationship. We're going to have a great relationship. And he said to me when I said, we're going to do something, if he goes in, no, 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 you wouldn't do it. I'll do that. I swear I'll do that. And he didn't believe me, but he believed me 10%. The same thing with Putin. I said I was going to do something really nasty if he goes into Ukraine. He said, no, no, you're not going to do that. I said, I will. And he didn't believe me either, but he believed me 10%. And the 10%, you never heard talk about going into Ukraine. You never heard talk about going into Taiwan until I was no longer there. Now, what a mess the world is in. What a mess. Now I can't see. You said at the time when you were president that going to war with Russia, either hot war or cold war, would drive Russia into an alliance with China. 
I did. That would displace us as the most powerful nation. I did. But we have a bigger problem. The bigger problem is the weaponry. The weaponry today is so powerful. This isn't like Second World War where we have army tanks running around shooting each other. This is weapons the likes of which the world has never seen before. And they have them and we have them. And China has them less, but within five years, China will have equal to us. China, I'm talking about nuclear. China has the beginnings of a very big, very powerful nuclear. They're short five years. They had started much later. Russia and us are comparable. Massive power, massive. And that's one of the more, things. More than people understand? More than people understand, yeah. yeah more. Were and you they, surprised? They don't understand the power. If you look at Hiroshima, Hiroshima, as some people yeah. call it, uh, if you look at Nagasaki, you look at those two events took place many, many years ago, and multiply that power times 500. That's what you're talking about. Where it actually melted the granite. You know, granite is unmeltable by blowtorches. Yes. But the granite, if you look at granite areas, it's like water that got, you know, hardened, like an ice skating rink. It melted the granite. If you look at that and multiply it times 500. It is. The, I mean, the, the point that he's making is that this is a whole new world when it comes to this stuff. Biden, the Biden administration just doesn't seem to get that. Trump does. Continue. That's what you're talking about. Um, when I listen to people talk about global warming, that the ocean will rise in the next 300 years by one eighth of an inch. And they talk about this is our problem. Our big problem is nuclear warming. I mean, nobody even talks about it. The environmentalists talk about all this nonsense in many cases. Look, I'm an environmentalist also, I guess, in my own way, because I've done a good job with the environment. But nobody talks about nuclear. The problem, the problem we have, the biggest problem we have in the whole world, it's not global warming. It's nuclear warming. And all it takes is one madman and you're going to have a problem the likes of which the world has never seen. And it's only a matter of seconds. You don't have to wait two to three hundred years for it to happen. So uh, what you're saying is demonstrably true. Why is this not something our leaders talk about or the press talks about? Because I don't think they're smart. I don't think they get it. Uh, Putin got it. I would talk to him about it all the time. I never mentioned the word nuclear. You never heard me mention the word. You know, my uncle was a professor, a great professor at MIT for a long time. For I think he has the longest, Dr. John Trump. And he would talk about a lot of different things. And it was very interesting to me for years. I talked to him, passed away. He's a great, great gentleman. I think he's the longest tenured professor in the history of MIT. But if he wasn't, he was very close. He was there for almost 40 years. And we talk about things. And he said, you know, someday they'll have a suitcase and in that suitcase it'll be nuclear and you'll blow up new york city you know i i, re- I remember after 9 11 and uh it was a time i was working with jay severin in boston and the, the the idea of a suitcase bomb was a reality it still is of somebody getting a nuclear bomb inside a suitcase into new york or into a major metropolitan city or anywhere for that matter and He's right. I mean, the technology nowadays, the, the, the problem, the, the thing, the thing with Trump that stood out the most during his tenure as, as president, the four years president, is that he didn't these people, they didn't screw with him. 
every everything that the the left and the you know we were going to be in a nuclear war and that everything was going to fall to my COVID happened, but then again, it's not his fault. He. Donald Trump was a frightening son of a bitch. And because he was so frightening, no one screwed with him. North Korea didn't screw with him. Russia didn't screw with him. And uh, Afghanistan didn't screw with him. The Taliban didn't screw with him. Now they see this fool, as we just listened in in the first break, in Ireland, bumbling, tripping, falling, falling, doesn't know where he is. He talks to dead people and they see it and they go, hey, now's a good time to invade Taiwan or uh, uh, um, the mad midget in North Korea. Now's a good time to start testing missiles again, maybe even launch one <laughs> towards the United States. What's he going to do about it? He's not he's he's not even compass mentis under Trump. They'd say, oh, Trump is. People, his, his, his opponents would say, he's scary. He's a scary guy. That's right. And that's what I like. That's what I liked about him because no one screwed with him. All right, continue. This is uh, uh, the interview with Tucker Carlson. Out of a suitcase. And I said, no, Uncle John, that can't possibly. He's right. The power is so incredible. You can fire up a submarine and run it for years on essentially a tablet run it for years so when we talk about war and when i watch all of the people talking about ukraine and how's ukraine doing blah 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 russia's sitting back first of all ukraine's being obliterated yes okay let's not even talk nuclear but let's say it wasn't let's say they were doing better than anticipated uh if he decided to use his second form of destruction which is nuclear that's the end of that. You understand? And I know where you are in Ukraine, so I mean you understand it better than most. Most people don't most people don't even talk about it. They don't talk about the fact that he has equal to the United States in nuclear capability and destruction. And uh, so I watch all of this happening, and it's so sad. But can I just ask, though, the, the Biden people know the power of nuclear weapons. They now control our arsenal. They don't seem worried about this. Uh, that's because they don't understand life. They don't understand whatever it is that you have to understand. They don't understand the anything. Biden was very afraid of nuclear because I watched him and he was, oh, they have nuclear weapons. Oh, this, which was exactly the wrong thing to said. You don't do that. But if you go back and check your files, you'll see Biden early on saying, oh, well, we can't do this. They have nuclear weapons. Well, you don't want to. You know, you don't want to act that way. Yeah. But he was very f- afraid of nuclear. I said, you know, you got to be a little bit cooler than that. But what happened is now that nobody talks about it, but every day Putin mentions it and every day other people mention it. And now all of a sudden, if you look, other countries are talking about getting it. This was something all right, we need you to don't mention. Up. I call it the N word. You have two N words. You don't mention either one of them. The nuclear word you don't mention because the power is so destructive. I met with professors at MIT and I was preparing for a debate. I wouldn't say it was a long preparation, but I did want to talk about nuclear because I consider it to be the single greatest threat the world has, far greater than global warming. I got to wrap it up there, but that is true. I mean, there's so many other things we need to worry about besides anthropogenic gases and global warming. All, All the things that they have predicted since the 1970s that never happened. Great interview. 
one of the one of, one of, one of the best interviews I've ever seen him do. Yeah, he was really he was really on mark. Okay, guys, I got to run. I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Standing Ground. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Take care. Have a great weekend. Standing Ground has been a production of Leahy Media. But you know, um, I started to write a book. What? Talking about how technology <laughs> no, has always changed the world, and we were at an inflection point in the world. And the technology was changing so rapidly, and things were changing so significantly that it wasn't so much who led any country. I'm telling you, I this guy, <laughs> Joe Biden, writing a book. Get <laughs> it. Serious ghost writer. All right, guys, have a great weekend. <laughs> Started working on a book. All right. Talk to you on Monday, all right? Typewriter. <laughs> what, what's another word for thesaurus? <laughs> oh shit, I cracked myself up, man. the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-0. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.